0: Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. Today, we are going to show how he fairly consistently applies things that belong to the Holy Spirit to Christians and and makes us responsible for things that really are the job of the Holy Spirit. So if you've been following along, we're on page 78, and he makes three statements here that we're going to address today. The first is, he says, he is the balm of Gilead, but we apply this healing salve. Then he says, he is the fountain of life but we are the dispensers of his living water. He is the comforting shepherd's staff, but he allows us the privilege of extending it. Now, how would you explain to listeners who actually is responsible for these things and why this is being applied to us?
1: Well, the reason he applies it to us and that us is rather vague because in their scheme of things most christians don't get it so they need these the new apostolic reformation or these uh, people that seem to have something we don't have okay us is kind of a unusual category and according to their own claims most christians don't get it
2: so we we need
1: somebody like dutch sheets to come along so we can figure out what we're supposed to do but the bigger problem is that the whole scheme of these revelators and latter day apostles is not biblical. Okay. And these promises that are brought to bear under the new covenant through Christ, we read about that in the Gospels, are given by him. And then we'll see as we look at some passages in John and elsewhere that he promises in the Spirit and. Jesus never gives up his role as the intercessor. Right. And as we've said before, if you look at Romans chapter eight, we find out the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Christ intercedes for us. But according to Dutch Sheets and his cohorts, that's all inadequate. We have to add something to it. Right. And we've talked about that. So these passages that we're going to look at today, how he interprets them in his book, will give good uh, opportunity to show how Christ says something totally different than what he said about healing and living water and so on.
0: Okay, so let's look at this first one here. He is the balm of Gilead, and he, in parentheses, says Jeremiah 8.22 but we apply this healing salve now jeremiah eight twenty two. here's what it says is there no balm in gilead is there no physician there why then has not the health of the daughter of my people been restored now to start with what is the context of of this verse
1: well the context in jeremiah if you want to look at the broad context is that israel rebelled. They weren't listening to God. Jeremiah was one of the prophets that predicted that God was bringing judgment.
2: Right. They didn't
1: want to listen to him. They had other ideas. And we've talked about this in various shows that we've had. Remember, they threw him down in a cistern and he was in the mud. You got any word from God that's any better yet? So in the midst of that Rebellion and the lament of the prophet. The fact is, this isn't going to happen until ultimately there's judgment. There is the people brought away to Babylon, the Intertestamental period after the start of the restoration of the prophets. A lot of things happen, but it's pointing forward only to Christ who will come and fulfill these things. They long for right, so Mm -hmm. the healer is not us administering something, the healer is Christ who comes and brings forgiveness of sins, and his healings prove that he has the authority on the earth to to forgive sins,
0: right? And you know, we see that if we back up a little bit in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 8, so just a few verses before this, Jeremiah 8, 19, we'll say B, the end of that verse, it says, is not the Lord in Zion, is not her king in her. This always was about Jesus.
1: It's pointing to the Messianic king who would be Messiah.
0: Right. And this this healing salve, this is not something that we do. It is something that he has done.
1: Well, that's what Christ has provided, and if we want to have a full-blown theology, the healing doesn't happen even now until later for the resurrection of the dead. Right. Healings under the new covenant are blessings that come to show that we care for one another and pray for one another, and God does bring healing. Yes. If we don't have our sins forgiven, what's the use of having a healthy life? Right. Because we're headed for hell. So the key issues are Messianic salvation, scripture, the scripture teaching that Christ gives us what we need, and that ultimately it's about the resurrection from the dead, which is going to be a resurrection to life for those whose sins are forgiven.
0: Right. Amen.
1: All of that disappears in these... Um, teachings of these latter-day apostles and prophets
0: exactly okay so let's move on to the next one then because this one's really interesting and i think we'll spend a bit of time on it
2: mm-hmm. so the
0: next one he says is he is the fountain of life see jeremiah 2 13 and seventeen thirteen. but we are dispensers of his living water Now, there's a lot that we can say there, but as we were preparing for the show, you sent me some verses out of John that I think we really need to spend some time understanding, because that will make this very clear.
1: Yes. Uh, When I was looking at this again, I thought, well, Jesus claimed to be the one who gives living water, and it's very clear in the Gospel of John. Right. And so... There's a couple of incidents where the term living water counts. Okay. The first one in John is in John chapter four, which is the woman at the well. Most people have heard of that. Yes. And there are a number of things going on there that make this amazing in, in a way and very profound because the woman had a lot of things that were not good for her. Okay. So... I'll just start reading with John 4, 7, and we'll see what Jesus said about this. Okay. John 4, 7, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman. And then there's a parenthetical comment by John, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Okay. Then verse 10, John 4, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you, living water there's our
2: okay promise. right
1: so living water the, the fulfillment of that is found in messiah yes and there are other issues about that by the way food and okay. water. when you get to john six clearly jesus is the greater moses who comes and gives them mm-hmm. food uh, manna from heaven but it's different than what they expected. So what happens with the teachings like the ones we're critiquing here is that the person and work of Christ is diminished. So the teaching here is not saying that this won't happen until some disciples later in church history, people will come along and then they'll be able to administer this
0: okay
1: okay so right john 4 11, she said to him sir you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where then do you get that living water okay verse 12 you're not greater than our father jacob are you who gave us the the well and drank of it himself and his sons and cattle so here's her claim this is jacob's well and here we are verse 13 jesus answered and said to her Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. In other words, it's ordinary water. Yes. Verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life.
0: Okay. So So now let's. Water
1: is given and it springs into eternal life. It's not something that comes anywhere from Christ who will pour out the Spirit.
0: Okay, and and that's really what we, we need to focus on here. This is something Jesus does. This is something he gives to us. This is not something that we give to other people. Though we do share the gospel with them, and that may lead to eternal life,
1: well, that's our duty is to preach the gospel. But those who don't believe are never going to have the river of life. the will right. eternal life. Notice it says spring up to eternal life. Okay. That eternal aspect gets buried in all of these teachings that we so often hear from the revivalist movements.
0: Yes, and we've mentioned that in different episodes. It always comes back down to some sort of system that you keep half having to go through until all of your symptoms go away, which they never will because we live in a fallen world. This is meant to be eternal. It's not yes. something it's it's not something it's not a process that has to be repeated over and over again
1: as a matter of fact, I would suggest if you haven't read this, lately, and you're one of our listeners, read the rest of John 4. It's amazing what happens here. Okay. Because he knows things about her, and she's got a lot of problems.
0: Right. And And if I'm remembering, right, doesn't she go back into the town then and say, well, this man knows everything I've ever done?
1: Most people would be offended.
0: Yeah. But, you know, you really don't get that idea from the text. She was marveling at what all Jesus knew.
1: She wasn't because he he told me everything about me. What he told her was that she was a sinner. Yes. And she's had a number of bad things going on in her life and she's a Samaritan. But she was excited that he gave her this uh, opportunity to believe in him and this Well, of water springing up to eternal life. So the giver of the living water is Jesus. Yes. Now, I also sent to you, Jessica, John 7, 37 through 39. Okay. I knew this comes up. This is at the Feast of Tabernacles on one of the days they had a ceremony about water. Okay. John 7, 37 to 39. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay. Okay, so here is the claim that Jesus made. Right. He is the fulfillment of the prophecy that the feast they had and the ceremonies, the discussion about water is pointing to him. Yes. And there's so much about the deity of Christ in here, the uniqueness of Christ, and so on. The sinless Savior, the Messiah the Holy One of Israel. He says that he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Right. That's not administered by humans. It's given by Christ.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay. Earlier, John 4, if you knew who I was, Jesus is saying, you would ask, he uses the second person you would ask him. He would give you living water. He yes. gives the living water. It's repeated in John 7. Okay. Now, the irony is the Samaritan woman rejoiced. The people in John 7 and in John 8, they reject him. Right. Yeah. Because in John 8, for example, he said that, um, this, uh, that he would set... The leaders of Israel freed the believers who believed in him, and they ended up hating him and attacking him, telling him he had a demon. Okay. They didn't think they were in bondage. So Mm -hmm. the difference is this. The key issue is, do you know that you don't have what you need now? Right. The woman at the well, whose life was really messed up, realized that she didn't have it. Okay. She was surprised that Jesus would even talk to her because she was a Samaritan. Then yes. when he knew what her life was like, rather than being offended, she got excited and told her friends. So right. the, And it says in, in John's comment, this, he spoke of the Spirit. So the river of living water comes as the Holy Spirit is poured out. But notice, he who believes in me. Our faith is in Christ. Not in some supposed revelation gained by somebody well after the time of the apostles who's going to administer this. Right. And so, uh, whether intentionally or not, Dutch Sheets and others like him are arrogating to themselves the role that Christ himself has. Yes. And Jesus's, notice it says he was not yet glorified. When Jesus is glorified, raised from the dead, sends to heaven, pours out the spirit, he intercedes for us. He pours out the spirit to this very day. Those who believe and know that they are sinners and know that they need Christ because they're convicted by the Holy Spirit and they turn to him. They don't need some uh, Latter-day Apostle or Prophet or person who claims to know things ordinary christians don't know the holy spirit is comes to those who turn to christ and that's also shown earlier in john in john chapter 3 born of the spirit yes The wind. we don't control where the wind blows
2: right
0: so we have jesus so jesus is the fountain of living water and when we are born again, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Right. And in us flows the rivers of living water through yep. the Spirit. Right. That is all a work of God. None of it is something that we do.
1: It's He doesn't need our help, but we have an assignment, which is to preach Christ. Yes. And the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's explained later in John. Jesus said that right so what happens is that people hear these things and they hear the stories told at various meetings or through the internet or whatever and it seems like there's these great people of god who get visions and revelations and they see things in the bible that we wouldn't get because if you just read the bible and see what it means you don't come up with that same conclusion right so we end up with a question we have to ask ourselves. Does the Bible mean what it says? And if Jesus interprets the scripture, did Jesus get it right? Or do we need to go look for some other interpretation?
0: Yeah, I think when Jesus interprets a passage, he's got it right.
1: A lot of people, including people that wouldn't associate with the NAR, really get offended by what Jesus said. Yes, people grow up in church and they see what Jesus said, and they don't like it.
0: Well, and that happened even in the time of Jesus, especially in John. And John six comes to mind. It's,
1: I, <laughs> I guess if, if, if I, I guess if it was
0: infen- offensive when Jesus said it, it probably shouldn't surprise us that it still is now.
1: Well, I've, I've known a lot of people that don't like John six. Yeah, and I even walked through it with some Christian brothers and sisters, just walk through all of John. Look at this. Look at this. Look at that. They don't like it. Right. They won't say they don't like the Bible, but they don't like the implications. But I wouldn't be shocked because at the very end of John 6, the people were leaving. Yeah. They wanted to make him king. That would have been a good chance for a modern preacher to gain more power and authority. Okay. He kept Telling them the truth until they didn't want him as king anymore. They wanted free bread. Yeah. And Peter said, where shall we go? He said, are you going to leave too? Where shall we go? Because only you have the words of life. Right. That's uh, John 6, I think about 67. So, dear listeners, um, we need to read the scripture ourselves. Okay. Believe the word of God. Read the text. Look up cross references that apply to the passages that you read about in these books, and don't get so enamored with these miracle guidance stories that okay. would apply. And we'll, at some point I'll mention a couple of how that works. It implies that some great people of God have, know things we don't know we better figure out how to get that kind of information. Right. What we need is to believe the Bible.
0: Amen. All right. So we have a few minutes left. So we will just address this third one real quick. And then we are going to come back and talk about the new covenant. So the third one he has is he is the comforting shepherd's staff. See Psalm 23, 4, but he allows us the privilege of extending it. Now, how would you respond to that one?
1: Well, Jesus made the claim that he's the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. Okay. We go to John.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And in the reference to Psalm 23, it's very comforting. But the shepherd of the sheep is Christ. Yes. Under shepherds are only being faithful to him if they proclaim truly and accurately the words of God as inspired in the scripture according to the author's intent that is the Holy Spirit inspired authors like John right Okay. so what did he say to Peter at the end feed my sheep tend my lambs the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep there's only one good shepherd now David was a a sinner but was a foreshadow of the real good shepherd okay you know psalm 23 is about the shepherd yes but jesus claimed to be the good shepherd right only jesus laid down his life for the sheep other people will die and have died for their faith but only jesus died a substitutionary death yes only jesus proved that he's the resurrection and the life in fact Look up the "I am" sayings in the Gospel of John. You'll claim, you'll see how he claimed deity. Okay. God the Son. Look them up. I am. Yes. Before Abraham was, I am. That was right. People didn't think they needed to be free. Ironically, the Samaritan sinner woman with a bad past knew she needed what Jesus had, and was glad to tell her friends about it. But the leaders of Israel. When Jesus said that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and if you continue my word, uh, you'll be free. And John 8, earlier in verse about 32 to 34, they said, Well, we're, we're uh, Abraham's children. We've never been in bondage, so we don't need your freedom.
2: Okay, right.
1: If you're hearing this, look at the scripture, okay? If you understand what God said, and What God said, he says, according to the author's meaning, and it applies to us. All right? Right. Mm -hmm. The freedom we need is freedom from slavery to sin. Yes. And that is given by Christ alone, who was the good shepherd who laid down his life. We can't do that. Right, we can confess Christ, and there have been martyrs throughout church history. Okay, but martyrs who die because of confessing Christ aren't dying a substitutionary death on behalf of other sinners. Right. Okay.
0: Now, I would also ask. So, okay, so he says he is the comforting shepherd's staff. Well, according to the New Testament, who is the comforter?
1: Holy Spirit.
0: Exactly. So that's once again, he's applying to us something that belongs, that comes from Christ through the Holy Spirit, not through us.
1: Right. And so we obviously, the Bible teaches the Trinity, although not everybody in various apostolic movements believe that. Okay. Okay. But that's a, another topic we've covered it many times. But assuming the dutch sheets is trinitarian the holy spirit is god right okay and so we are sinners and if we believe the gospel we're saved by grace and god in his power and love and mercy uses redeemed sinners to preach christ yes there are shepherds if you look in in acts chapter 20 The term for uh, pastor, overseer, shepherd, elder, they're applied to the same group. Okay. There are elders who are to care for the flock, but we also bear one another's burdens. He says that. That's true. Yes. But we're not administering something that only can be done by the Holy Spirit.
2: Right. And we can't administer Yeah. things
0: for the Holy Spirit. We're, we don't have the knowledge. We don't have the ability to do that. We can't take from God and assign it to ourselves.
1: That's kind of the story of church history. That's a very sordid and wicked story. Yes. And so things have been applied to various uh, persons, popes, uh, holy men, uh, even Mary shamefully given attributes that don't apply to any saved sinner? Yes. Okay, so thinking that maybe uh, Mary, who's not omniscient and omnipotent and can't hear a million prayers simultaneously being said, is prayed to, people are looking for somebody or something other than believe the truth about Jesus Christ Salvation, his high priestly ministry, and trust him, because Jesus is God. God cannot lie. False teachers abound everywhere, and they'll let you down.
2: Yes, they'll absolutely. They'll
1: themselves as having some great, mighty power. Their stories turn out, or we'll look at what happened, whatever they may say. But we don't need some pious Holy man or woman who claims to be, uh, have something ordinary Christians don't have, we need to believe the Bible.
2: Amen. One of
1: my favorite professor says, Read the text. Yes, read the text. One student said, Well, I can't mean that. Read the text. Look at right. the context. The, the Bible is telling us what we need to know. But the people that pull out proof text, it will show in the next episode, another case of that, lead us down a path of, in the end, will be disappointed and think we failed.
0: Right. And that's, it seems like that's what happens most of the time. It, it just leads, it just leads to problems.
1: Yeah. And I've seen that in my lifetime. The, these hyper pious movements that claim to have something ordinary Christians have, have missed all along. they The leaders don't apply to themselves often what they're claiming. Okay. In the end, a lot of the followers think, well, I, I missed it. It didn't work out. I'm sick. Uh, I can't solve my problems. I can't pay my bills. I think I did something wrong. They, they, they look for somebody who gets it right, that can do it for them, yeah. rather than having the comfort of the Holy Spirit who cares for us. When we bear one another's burdens, we do things that compassionate Christians do in the church that don't take some special uh, misapplied scripture. It's just us showing up and caring about each other. Right. And ordinary Christians can do that.
0: And we do. It's just, you know, I we, we've said different times, God uses means. He uses the means of grace to sanctify his people. But he also gives us the love for the very things that he uses in our life. And one of those is fellowship. We love to gather with other believers and pray for one another and comfort one another it's just a blessing to yes. be in fellowship with others.
1: Yes. Bear one another's burdens is a good verse. Yeah. Application. It's, it's easier than we think. All right. Some prophet to get a revelation about what your gift is. You don't need to take the Myers-Briggs test.
2: Okay. What you
1: do is you show up, believe the Bible, fellowship with other Christians, and whatever gifts God has in that he's going to use, will be there. We just need to show up and serve. We don't need more than that. God will still use us.
0: All right. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus
1: and Bob DeWay.
0: We'll see you next week.